Father, this morning we just come to you. We thank you, Father, for your presence in our midst. You were there with us when we woke up in the morning. You were there with us when we got ready. You were with us when we were here. But now it's different because we have come together in faith. So your presence now is different from what we experience in the morning, Lord. You are here with us. Because you rejoice to be in the midst of your children. You said, where two or three gather in my name, I will be in your midst. You are here, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. And as we are here in your presence, I pray you touch every ear. Touch every ear, Lord. That we hear what you have to tell us. For faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. Help me to magnify your word today, once again. About everything that we see, we hear, we feel, beyond all our senses, to exalt and magnify your word. For you hold this entire universe by the word of your power and by the power of your word. Oh, Father, help us to lift you up your word up in our minds even now. Speak to us, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let me quickly go through what we had looked last week. So quickly, uh, Dr. Richard, Ephesians 2.8, Romans 10.17, Romans 12.3, yeah? By grace you have been saved. So if you have been saved, the rest of the message will be make sense to you. If you are not saved, you will receive knowledge about God, not of God. Okay? The knowledge about God is also good. But the knowledge of God changes your life. The knowledge of God is only possible for those who are saved. I do believe there are unsaved people in our midst. Some of you, that's your struggle. Doesn't matter. Learn about God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, there are four things over there. There is salvation, there is grace, there is faith, and it's all a gift. Meaning you can earn it, it is free. So don't work for your salvation, it's a free gift. But what matters to you and to me most, what we can handle in this is what is called faith. Faith. Okay, that's where, that's why we preach. We keep on preaching. Because faith, like I told the pastors yesterday, faith is the ATM card of heaven. How much you get depends upon your faith. There is no minimum balance there. Every bank will put a, you can only withdraw this much. Right? Private banks give you more, government banks give you less, so you know who has the money. Okay? In God's bank, there is no limit set. Unlimited credit. Okay? And the size of the ATM card need only to be the size of a mustard seed. Okay? So when you reach heaven, don't blame God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. That's why we exalt the word of God and I can only believe you hear. I can't hear for you. I can only hear for myself. 
I cannot hear for you. But what I can do is preach the word and preach the word and preach the word and preach the word. And what we can do is sing the word and sing the word and sing the word. And what we can do is pray the word and pray the word, hoping somebody will hear. That's all it takes. Okay? Romans 12, 3 says, God has given everyone a measure of faith. One measure. Sabko diya, one spoonful, chamach. Teaspoon, whatever spoon you want, I use it. Actually, it's not spoon. We use teaspoon, tablespoon. God's ladle is always big, okay? One ladle leads into every, the soup bowl is full. Everybody has been given. You are saved, you have faith. You can't say, I don't have faith. You are saved, you have faith. And then Second Peter 2, 1. Simon Peter, a bond servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith. Nobody has a different faith here. The faith you have is exactly the faith Peter had. That means you have apostolic faith. You are not an apostle, but you have apostolic faith. Okay, So you don't have to be an apostle. You can have apostolic faith. Then Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of, this is KJV, and KJV is right, okay, everybody has got so scared and put in, but you live by the faith, meaning you have the faith of God. God's faith and the faith he gives us is not different. That is the most stunning statement connected with faith in the Bible. The faith you and I have is the very faith of God. Okay? So put this five statements, okay? What do you call it? Etch it in your mind. Engrave it in the palms of your hand. It may hurt a little, does not matter. Okay? Remember it. Five statements which God does. Reason, everything God does, he does by faith. Everything he does. Meaning when he says something, he believes in it absolutely. 100% therefore it comes into being. He has absolute faith in his words. That's why we are called to live by the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yes, can I have the next one? So you will see, yes, you will see Jesus' issue with people. <laughs> he says, it's because of your unbelief. Why don't things happen in my life? God says, because of unbelief. The biggest block is unbelief, like yesterday to the pastors. The greatest sin today is not murder, it's not adultery, it is not lying, it is not stealing, it is None of these things. The greatest sin is the sin of unbelief. Why do people go to hell? Because of murder? No, because of unbelief. Why do Christians live defeated lives? Because of unbelief. Okay. And in Mark 9 and verse 24. Yeah. If I didn't give it, it's okay. If I didn't give it, it's okay. Okay. So... Be rested. Because that's how God works. Yeah. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my. That's our struggle. We believe and we don't believe. We believe enough to come to church and then fall asleep. What is that? 
unbelief. But unbelief didn't start in church. It started yesterday because you didn't prepare to come to church. Honestly, that is our fundamental issues. The fundamental issue is that we don't actually believe. If we actually believe that when the word of God is preached, God is going to speak to me, then we will come prepared to hear. That was what God was so excited by Mary. He said, look at her. Look at her. She's prepared to hear. And it will not be taken away from her. Okay, so there is a prepare, And God looks at it. God looks at it. Like somebody asked me, how many people in, if you had a company, how many people in the church would you give a job? I said, almost none. I said, if I had a company of my own, then I'm investing my money in manpower and I wouldn't give most of them because to get them regularly to do something on time is impossible. God is never five minutes late. Never, ever. Just think about it. If you applied in God's company, would he hire you? Okay, we shall get that to later. So Second Peter, chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have one to four, okay? Grace and peace to be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus Christ. Keep your hand over here, okay? It will be only multiplied if you know God. That is why we have to have the knowledge of God. God will multiply grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. If faith is the ATM card of heaven, grace is the money of heaven. Understand that. Everything God does is through grace. It's the absolute raw power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? If faith is the ATM card, grace is the money of heaven. Because we are mammonized. So if you use those things, people understand it better. (laughs) Knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. If you come to verse 3, His divine power has given to us. He's not going to give you anything anymore. He's already given it. Lord, please. He's already given. God is not going to do one more thing. God is not going to give anybody one more thing. Everything has been done. Everything has been given. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Life here and life there. Everything has been done. Through again, how? Knowledge of him. Who called us by glory and virtue. By which, now comes, by which exceedingly great and precious Promises. What are these great and precious promises? That's your ATM pin. You can have a bunch of ATM cards. You don't know the pin. It does not work. (laughs) This is your ATM card. Do you know your pin for each situation? Exceedingly great and precious promises that through this, what happens When you put this ATM card and when you draw it out, you know what you're drawing out? You're drawing out the very life of God. His divine nature. Having 
escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. What you withdraw, grace, what you withdraw is the very life of God. His very nature is what he gives to us. Once you read these four verses, there's no excuse. Let God be true and every man a liar. You'll agree if you read these four verses. That is the truth. So how does this happen? Now we have put the big premise, how does this happen? And that is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay, simple. Therefore I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Anything you have to do, receive, enjoy, anything, you need a body. You need a body. He says, offer your body as living sacrifices. First, how do you have to offer it? As holy. Because God is holy, offer your body as holy. It's not enough to be holy. Second, pleasing. That is where we try to keep on poking the young ones. Order, 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 discipline. Order. That's what Paul is trying everything with Timothy. Timothy is holy and disorder. Timothy, Timothy, but thank God Timothy had disorder so that we got the entire lessons. How to get order. First Timothy, second Timothy is a manual for youth. How to bring your body into a manner that is pleasing and holy. Both are there in those two letters. Every young person should meditate on first and second Timothy if you are young. You practice that, you are ready for the rest. Because it's pointless to have a mind that is renewed by the word of God and a body that's incorporated. It only brings depression. Only brings depression. Again, example which you like. It is like selling at the Mithai shop and you have diabetes. Kya chahiye? Laddu. Lele. Tumbeji kya chahiye? Barfi. Lele. Bivine subhe bala mat khana. And what are you eating? Curd, rice and karila. That is what happens. That is what happens. Your mind is renewed. Body. But body is handled when you are young. When you are young. That is why the devil attacks people when they are young. Young. Everybody who is something of an addict in their some age, it all started when they were young. Samson did not fall into sin when he was old, it when he was young. Everything. So when you are young, that's why the Bible says flee youthful lust. Because the devil looks at every young person and knows he has a destiny. So you know what? Let's catch him now. Let him hook him with porn. Let him hook him with drugs. Let him hook him with alcohol. Let him hook him now. So you need to be realized, this is what happens. So you have to be very, very careful about this. The devil traps you because the devil knows. So this is your spiritual act of worship. The very fact that you bring order and discipline into your body when you are young is a spiritual act of worship. Pastor, teach me to worship. Wake up in the morning. Have order in your life. Work hard. Physical, hard. If you have a desk job or you see this thing, run. What am I doing? I'm offering my body as an act of worship. Spiritual. 
This is not physical. When you are doing it for God, it is a spiritual act of worship. To offer God your body, both holy and acceptable, pleasing. And God is pleased. When God sees a young man wake up at five in the morning and he gets ready and he puts on his shoes and goes jogging. Lord, why are you doing it? Because one day when God calls me, I need to be fit. And God says, he's worshipping me. On the roads, he's worshipping me. Everybody's running on the roads, but one is worshipping me. You have to see everything in terms of the kingdom of God. I am worshipping my king. I'm worshipping my king. And when the time and the hour comes, God will say, he's ready. He's ready. He's ready. Our job is to prepare. He knows when we are ready. And then God says, get set, go. Then verse 2, do not confirm any longer to the pattern of this world. You have to make this choice. If you don't make this choice, you're never going anywhere. Don't conform to the pattern. One of the best inventions I personally like is this. It just shuts the voices of the world away. Absolutely shuts it. I don't want to hear, let me listen to something else. Which edifies my spirit. Shut the voices. No, we saw yesterday from uh, Luke chapter 4, right? We don't have to go there, right? 3, chapter 3, right? Verse 1 and 2. The word of the Lord passed all the governors and kings and the priests and reached John in the... It doesn't, does it mean others did not have ears? Of course. They couldn't hear? No. Because the voice head was full of voices of the world. So God was, God is speaking to everybody. <laughs> God is not a respecter. He's speaking to everybody. We are not able to tune because so much of static. Old days you had to tune, 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 tune. Now FM sets it. Right? We are not able to tune in because so, we are not here because so many signals are coming. And because our mind is tuned to those signals, we are not able to hear the voice of God. And God says two things. First, shut those voices. Make an attempt. Shut those voices off. Don't listen to them. The good voices of the world or the bad voice. Don't listen to either of them. Good voices give you false hope. Second voices, the bad voices give you depression. God's voice gives you life. That's the difference. There are good voices. But they give you false hope. Because they can only speak. They don't have the power to fulfill anything they say. So they give you false hope. False voices brings discouragement and depression. When God speaks, his word will never go void. It will always achieve the purpose for which it is sent. You grab it and you say, I stand on it, Lord. So shut both voices off. Make this constant effort to shut these voices off. And then you will realize, oh my gosh, where was I all this voice? God was always speaking. He was always speaking. I was the one who was not hearing. Okay? One and two. That is, okay? If you come there, okay? And... Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be renewed. And then you will know what is the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. This is his good, 
pleasing, perfect. Three stages of understanding God's will. First thing we need to realize is, first thing in understanding God's will is not pleasing. It is good. Look at the order. Look at the order. It's the good. Let me explain to you. Luke chapter 18 and verse 19. A lawyer came to Jesus and said, so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. Why do you call me good? First thing we have to understand is the goodness of God. God is good. Doesn't mean children will also give you an ice cream or daddy is very good. That good is not what you're talking about. He is intrinsically a good person. That is his character, his good. And we first have to know the good. Meaning we have to pursue the righteousness and the holiness of God who ma- which makes him good. That's the first thing. Meaning we, before we can do one act of faith, we need character. Because everybody who did great acts of faith in the Bible, which who did not have character, fell away at the end. But everybody who built on character in the beginning and did acts of faith, finished well at the end. So I have to finish my race, not run for a season. So the first thing God says is, know the good will of God. So much of the letters, all the letters, Romans down to everything, talks about do this, don't do this. Don't do this, do this. What is he focusing on? God is good. So be good. Be good. Be good. Be good. And this is very important. Entire Bible is a record of people who failed. Who were successful and failed. And if you look at them, why they failed? Because they did not major on the good part. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 to 30. Okay? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You know, I mean, I was told the pastors yesterday. Israel has gone into captivity. God was very merciful with Judah. He gave them more time. Then Judah also went into captivity. Here is poor Jeremiah, writing to the elders of the people of Israel in captivity. He's writing this letter. It's a miserable situation. They have been taken as slaves. The king was blinded. His sons were killed. All kind of things had happened. He had been told, you will not see. And what? How did the prophecy come to pass? He was blinded. So he never saw. Okay, and now in the midst of it, all this trauma, pain, misery, God is sending a letter and saying, you know what, my mind hasn't changed about you. (laughs) You brought this on on yourself. I said before you blessing and curses, life and death. You chose curses and death. You brought it upon yourself. I haven't changed. I am still good and my thoughts towards you are still thoughts of peace. To give you a future and a God never changes. God never has one evil thought towards anybody sitting here. His thoughts towards us are always peace, good, and to give us a hope that you finish your race. You are appointed to give your future and a hope. You are appointed in. That's his thoughts for everybody. And verse 12, then you will call upon me, go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. So he says, pray. You do not have because you do not. Ask. Now this is the key. When you ask God, <clears throat> you experience a miracle. Whatever you want, small miracle, big miracle, what? You experience something like, wow, God answered my prayer. Don't stop there. That was the appetizer at the restaurant. The main course is coming. The problem is people eat the appetizer and they walk up and go. After that, 
Seek me. Seek me. Find me. And when you search for me with all your heart. <clears throat> I'll show you. Second Chronicles chapter 5. 26, 5. <clears throat> he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. He kept on seeking God, and God kept on prospering him. He didn't have to do much to prosper. He just had to keep seeking God, hearing God, obeying God, and he prospered, and he prospered, and he prospered, and he prospered. The problem is, he became strong. Now he has money, he has wealth, he's got army, he's got strength, and what happens, verse 16? When he was strong, his heart was lifted up. This is the problem. And his downfall began. This is Uzziah. And he will become a leper and live all the days of his life isolated as a leper. When he was seeking God, what happened? At some point in his life, he stopped seeking God. When your heart gets lifted up, because the poor in the spirit will always seek God. When your heart gets lifted up, you stop seeking God. And the downfall begins. Let me show you another one. This is Solomon's son, Second Chronicles 12.1. It came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself that he forsook the law of the Lord. He was the son of Solomon. He was a good boy. He also started searching the law of God, seeking the law of God, keeping the law of God, following God, and his kingdom became strong. He established himself. As soon as he strengthened himself, he pursued. And this is actually what happens in the church. As soon as people seek the Lord, Lord, I want a miracle. Lord, give me a job. Lord, give me this. Once it is done, interest is gone. Interest is gone. After that, no more interest. And that's what happened to him. And verse 14, this is for the most important verse in this chapter. Okay, yesterday I gave it to the pastors. He did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Why do we do evil? Because we do not prepare our heart to seek the Lord. That's when people do evil. If you prepare your heart to seek the Lord, like I said in the morning, if you prepare yourself for a Sunday morning, you won't be tired. You won't be. I had a long day yesterday, 3.30 in the morning till then 6.30, this thing, and again 3.27 in the morning I was up. I am physically exhausted, but I am absolutely mentally alert. You prepare yourself to seek the Lord. You prepare yourself to seek the Lord, you will overcome evil. You will overcome evil. Mark that in your Bible. So don't be good alone. Okay? The first thing we seek is, Lord, I don't want to do evil. I want to do good. I am seeking you. Show me your goodness. I want to be good. And it's not enough. Don't stop there. Romans 16, 19 says, Your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. I want you to be what? Not just good, wise. The song says, be excellent. In what is? Meaning God say, just don't be morally good like the righteous Hindu, the righteous Muslim, the righteous Jew. Be morally superior to all of them. Be excellent in what is good. 
excellent in what is good. And innocent, ignorant when it comes to evil. And he says, you know what the result is? If you become morally excellent in what is good, God will do. You will have peace. Because you are absolutely right with God. And you have peace with man. Man may not have peace with you. But you have peace with man. And you are absolute total peace with God. And what does God do? Verse 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. You don't have to worry about the powers of darkness. They are under your feet. That's the testimony of Joseph. In the midst of a demonic nation. On pagan gods and demonic entities. They are all under his feet. And it's the God of peace. Because he has absolute peace with God and with his man. Absolute peace. And Romans, yeah. What has Joseph I said, right? 50-20. But for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Meaning, all the evil they did, God just turned it around. Okay, They shoot an arrow. God takes the arrow and make it a plow. Suddenly he's harvesting more because he's got a plow in his hand. The enemy shot an arrow. Okay, he throws a spear, he takes and makes it into a spade. That's what it means. Whatever the enemy does, God turns it around for your good. That's exactly what happened to him. Because why? He was excellent when it came to what was good. And Romans 8.28 says, all things, right? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. And I call according to his purpose. I'm just setting the preamble to the constitution. Okay, We haven't greased the word yet. It is not enough to be good. It's not enough to be good. Because the world is and the church is full of good people. Full of good people. Like Mark Antony's speech over Caesar's dead body. They're all honorable men. Church is full of good men. We have to move from good to pleasing. That is where faith comes in now. You have to be active in the kingdom of God. That takes faith. That takes faith. And how does it work? Let us see how faith works. Hebrews chapter 4, 10, 11. You will be wondering how did faith reach there? He who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work. Faith will not do your work. Faith will only do God's work. So the first step of faith is rest. Rest. From his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall. From where? From faith. From that rest. Let me show it to you. Because this is the life God wants us to live. Not good life, a pleasing life. Genesis chapter 3, 31 and 4 till 4, 2. I didn't give it? Oh, the last verse of Genesis uh, chapter 2, not the 3, 2. Uh, chapter 1, chapter 1, chapter 1, chapter 1. Chapter 1. Yeah. Chapter 1 and uh, yeah. God saw 
everything that he had made and it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day and the next verse. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Sixth day he finished creation. And the seventh day he rested. Meaning after that God has not done a single work till today. Meaning he has never done any more creative work. The work he did is the work of redemption. And the work he is doing is a work of redemption. He's not creating anything anymore. It's done. It's finished. It's absolutely done. Are you getting it? God created man on the first day. No, he created man on the Suddenly, man, imagine God created man on the first day. And man is, oh, I forgot to create oxygen for him. You wait, wait a little, let me create air. Did you do that? Oh, I forgot to create water. Let him have some water to drink. Think about it. No, he did everything which man needed then and forever. Till the end of time. Everything. Everything. Everything was done. Who discovered electricity? Do you think electricity was discovered when that man who wrote us? No. Electricity was discovered on during creation. What is lightning? We took time to discover it. There is nothing which we have invented which was not finished in the first six days because everything we invent operates on the laws on which God created. Everything. We are just discovering it on the way and giving credit to ourselves and taking a patent on it. It belongs to him. There is nothing that man needs till the end of time which God has to do. It's already done. That is the rest we are talking about. Meaning everything that you and I need to be absolutely successful and finish our race in Christ Jesus is already done. Discover it. Discover it. It's already done. Just like in creation. That's what God is talking about. That's Ephesians 1.3. The new creation. What does it say? Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has? Not who will. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Already done. Now discover it. And use it. That is where faith comes. Everything you and I need, it's already done, already given. We draw it out by faith. That's why, though there are other issues, most of the preaching is always about faith. The problem is we learn to live so well by sight. That is why the Bible says, renew your mind, meaning relearn, unlearn and relearn now to live by faith. That is the renewing of the mind because the old mind had learned to live by sight. Now we have to relearn to live by faith. We have to relearn how to live by faith. And you cannot have both the dogs fed every day. That is why you have to starve one dog. You can go to work. You can go to the world. You can go to work. But shut the voices of the world and do your work and get out. 
If you listen to all those voices and participate in all those things, you are not unlearning. The difference between the fallen, the world before the fall took place. Okay? This is what we call the curse of the fallen man is Genesis chapter 3, 17 to 19. He said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, not because of the wife, but the wife heeded the voice of Satan. And therefore, when he listened to his wife, he was listening to the voice of the devil. Okay, so if you listen to the voice of a wife, doesn't mean it is wrong, as long as she's not listening to Satan. In Abraham's case, Sarah listened to God and Abraham was not hearing. So he said, listen to your wife. So it is, don't put the wife over there and says, I will never listen to my wife because it is written. That is not what it means. It means, Eve listened to the devil's voice, therefore you listen to the devil's voice and the fall came. He did the voice of your wife, have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. What's the result? Curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns, thistles it shall bring both for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. From dust you are dust. The curse came. Life is miserable after that. But before the fall, Genesis chapter 2, 8, 9 and 15. God planted a garden eastward in Eden, where he put man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the side, good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good, and everything man needed he already made. And then verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. This was before the fall. Everything you need for life is already given. Just live. And take care of what I am giving you. And then, what was the function of what we call today prayer before the fall? Verse 15. Um, no, that is chapter uh, 3 8. No, 2 8, sorry. 3 8. <clears throat> and they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What is, what do they do? Every day they had fellowship with God. They were not praying, Lord, one more tree, Lord, this tree, nothing. Lord, rain hasn't come, Lord. This branch is drying, Lord. Absolutely no issues here. This monkey is doing monkey tricks, Lord. Nothing. Everything is addressed. Everything you need for life is already given. Just do your job. And father and children have an awesome time fellowship. Their prayer time was fellowship. Probably they were learning new, new skills from the father, how to take care of what he had created. There's no trouble at all. There's no tension, no anxiety, nothing. Everything is taken care of. And the fall came and 4,000 years, man, struggle, 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 struggle. And then Jesus comes. And he pays the penalty. He pays the price for our redemption. And the new creation begins. New creation, you to get your mind right with God. First thing you need to understand in the new creation is everything you need to be successful in this life, it's already done in Christ Jesus. It is done. It is given. It is given. The key is 
faith. That is Hebrews 11.6. It is impossible to please God without faith. For anyone, he who comes to God must believe that he is, not he was or will be. He is now. Even when you are hearing, he is. He is. Who will answer you now, even as you are praying. That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the key. Faith changes everything. It changes everything. And faith is intimately connected to hearing. Not heard. Hearing. Heard is for being a good man. Heard is for a good man. Hearing is for, for faith now. To be good, read the Bible. Okay, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. Okay, good. You can be a good man. But to be a pleasing man, you have to hear. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So our issue is with hearing. And God said, that's the way I want you to live. Now look at the greatest blessing pronounced over any man in the Bible. is the blessing pronounced over Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Okay? The first thing he tells him is, you know what? Get out of your home. It's not that I dislike your father. The problem is your father is an unbeliever. Just leave. If you don't leave, I will speak, you won't hear. In this atmosphere, you will never able to walk by faith. So just leave. And that's our struggle. Okay? Think about it, what it actually means to Abraham. He left, then finally he stuck at Haran, and then his father dies, he moves to the promised land. Once he moves into the promised land, he is in the midst of strangers. So he can only fellowship with the household of believers, and with the others, it's only transactions. Got it? So he is growing in faith and his faith is protected. Which would not happen in the Arab the Chaldeans or in Haran. Think about Peter and Sam. When they came first time to Hyderabad. First thing they will look is are there any other Nigerians? Because they don't know India. They don't know Indians. They don't know anything. Right? So they are in a strange country and the first thing that you look for, unlike you or me, like me, the first thing I look in any other country that I don't want Indians. Because I do not go to another country for Indians. Okay. If I go to another country, I know God has sent me. And if he has sent me, I know it's always never for Indians. So I don't look for Indians. Okay. So they'll always look for their own people. Right? And that's what he's doing. So that what happens, your faith is protected. And you grow in your faith. So the condition is there. You have to meet that condition first. If you meet that condition first, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Forget the nation part of it, okay? We don't become a nation because we are all now one holy nation. Entirety, one holy nation, okay? I heard an illustration like, you know, this is wood. This is wood. You know particle board? 
the particle board, the other one, the pressed board. It is made of different, different particles and hard pressed with glue. Actually, it is many particles becoming one door. That door is stronger than this one. Many particles make one whole. That is the body of Christ. So we are one holy nation. So we don't have to become, Lord, I want to become a nation. No, we are all part of one holy nation now. So don't take Abraham's promise literally and say, I want to be that. No. But the other thing is there. He says, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. This is the Abrahamic promise. If you go to Galatians chapter 3, 26 to 29, what does the Bible say? For you are all sons, not gender specific, sons and daughters. Okay, sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, and what does the Bible says? There is a new, no, neither Jew, nor Greek, slave, nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are what? You are the, you inherit the promise. You inherit the promise. Now the problem is, what is the promise? I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. That is the promise. I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. How does that happen? Galatians 3.14. This is the blessing. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive what? The promise of the Holy Spirit by who is the one inside you? That's the blessing. You're already blessed to be a blessing. Will you allow him to flow through you? That's what Jesus said. When he comes, rivers of living water shall flow. You are blessed and you are a blessing always. And it works by faith. This is the blessing of Abraham. God's people are meant to be a blessing. That's the promise of Abraham. True for everybody who's saved. Everybody. And it outworks by faith. The symbol of it in the old covenant is Isaac. I told you, unlike Abraham or Jacob or Joseph, Isaac was born in the promised land, lived in the promised land, died in the promised land. He never, meaning he was a man of faith from the beginning till the end. That's what symbolically it means. He never left God's word. As a picture. Never left the promises of God. He fulfilled and lived the promises of God. And you know what? It is written one line about uh, in Genesis about Isaac. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. In our terms, he's blessed. And he's a blessing. He's more of a blessing. And he's such a blessing. First you blessed this much. Then that much, then that much, your blessing, 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 blessing. Whatever you are called to do in the kingdom of God. Enlarge in your territory. Keep on stretching, stretching. And strengthen the cords because your tent is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. So old cords won't do. Strengthen the cords because I'm going to make you such a blessing to the world. That's a new covenant. That's what the church is. The Holy Spirit flowing through you. The very Spirit, the life of God flowing through you. So that is our issue. Our issue is all this works only by faith. And sight is our enemy. Sight brings unbelief. Faith brings belief. Our problem is when it comes to faith, we are babies. 
always dependent on somebody else. When it comes to sight, we are all teachers. Honestly, I could pick anybody from here and ask them to talk about a topic they like. My God, they are teachers. IPL, cooking, baking, sports, movies, songs, all are teachers. Can you talk to me about faith, please? Oh, yo, I don't know. Babies in faith. Teachers in sight. And it upsets Jesus. It really irritates him. You need to realize it irritates him. John chapter 4 verse 48. Now look at Jesus. I will show you a stretch of Jesus' irritations. Jesus said to him, unless you people signs and wonders, you will know by no means believe. Now, he is not, he is a totally unconventional speaker. He is not politically correct at all. And he likes walking on eggshells. Crack, 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 crack. He's not a, I mean, we think he's, he's, he's not bothered about our feelings. See, sec, if you know the background, he's coming the second time to Kana. By then, people have all heard what he's doing. And this rich man comes and says, sir, please come, my servant is, or son or somebody is dying. And he gets so mad with him. He says, you people saw, right? Right? You people saw, you heard. Now, why are you calling me? You can do it by yourself. That's what it means. You don't need me. My faith is no different from your faith. We all have the same faith. The father did not give me special faith and then gave you another faith. Faith is always the same. Your problem is you're not using it. You need to realize God dislikes spiritual dependency. He says, grow. Three years is enough. Grow. Next verse. Mark chapter 4 verse 40. He said to them, why are you so fearful? What did he say? How is that you have no faith? Why do you have to wake me? I was trying to take a nap. Why did you wake me up? No, stop. Why can't you stop it? Am I using any words which is not in your vocabulary? Be still. You also can say, right? But you have no faith. You're not using your faith. Jesus, Jesus is irritated because they woke him from the sleep. Like somebody calls me at two in the afternoon. What are you calling me for? These are things you can do on your own. Mark chapter 6, 34 to 37. When he came, he saw a great multitude was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciple came to him and said, "There is This is a deserted place. Already the hour is late. Send them away that they might go into the surrounding countries and villages by themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they were shocked. What? What is he saying? If you have understood anything what I taught, you can do it. Theory thi ho gaya, practical chal rahe. You, he, he didn't say, I will do it. He said, you do it. You do it. You give them something to eat. And they immediately they're thinking, sight. 
ओ पैसा नहीं है कहां से खरीदेंगे इमीडिएटली माइंड रिवर्टेड बैक टू वट इज कॉल इट फैक्ट्री सेटिंग कौन Mark chapter 7, 24 to 30. There he arose, went to the region of Sidon. He entered a house, wanted no one to know it. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician. By birth, she kept asking. But Jesus said, let the children be filled first. For it's not good to take the children's bread, throw it to the little dogs. We know these stories. I'm reading quickly. She answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table, eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon had gone out and a daughter lying on the bed. Let me ask you, did Jesus do anything? She got a demon left her daughter because of an answer. How many questions we have answered, no demon has left. And the teacher said the answer is also wrong. Did you see what faith can do? What faith can do? He will never take credit. If you read the Gospels carefully, he will never take credit when the miracle has happened because of somebody's faith. He just gives the credit to them. It's your faith. I want that. I want that, he says. I want you to be not dependent all your life. Learn to walk like God's children. Stop being children. Mark chapter 9, 17 to 19. Then one of the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Whenever it ceases, we saw this last week, it throws him down, he forms at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, he's giving all the radiology report, everything he's bringing out here. Pathology, radiology, everything is here. He becomes rigid. So he has observed it all, okay? So I spoke to your disciples, they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered, look at him. He's irritated. You faithless... Imagine a pastor saying something like that. One of you come and say, I am sick. No, last time, yesterday when they came, I said, I said, already prayed for you. Don't come for special prayers. Please go. You faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? I don't want you to be dependent upon me. I want you to walk on your own with God. Why don't you realize faith works for everybody? Doesn't your fathers have a, forefathers have a history of faith? By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. You're supposed to be the children of faith and always running around mommy's apron strings. Holding on. Please, 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 please. You can do it by yourself. We won't get irritated at a situation like this, but he gets because he's been showing them how to walk by faith. Meaning you can do it for yourself. I don't have to do it for you. Mark chapter 10, verses 49 to 52. Jesus stood still. This is Bartimaeus. Loud shouts even. He stood still. Commanded him to be called. called. Then they called the blind man saying, Be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. Throwing aside his garment, he rose, came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Raboni, that I may receive my sight. It is interesting. The question is, what do you want me to do for you? Answer is, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He didn't say, be healed in my name. He didn't say that. Just go. Your faith has healed you. Let me tell you, 
If Bartimaeus does not believe, his eyes would be still shut. You look at the statement very clearly. If Bartimaeus does not believe those words, he would still remain blind and he would have sat and died at the gateway of Jericho. Your faith has healed. Mark chapter 11, 22-24. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots because the previous day he had said, curse the tree. And Peter, remembering, said to Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Believe, says and believe. But please, don't start saying all these things. You have to hear first. That is why scripture says faith comes from hearing. Hearing. Can we go to Lazarus being raised from the dead? Um, that is... Uh, John 11, and I'll give you the verse. Because something which I wanted to show to you, because a lot of people, my theology might be slightly wonky for Baptists, but it's okay. Because I'm not a Baptist. Uh, 11.33. Remember? They are told him he was ill, he did not go. They told him this thing, he did not go. They told him he's dead, he did not go. Is that his hearing. From the Holy Spirit. Doesn't go. He's hearing from the Holy Spirit. Now four days dead in the tomb. And you know what happens? Verse, Therefore when Jesus saw her weeping. And the Jews who came with her weeping. He groaned in the spirit. Listen to me carefully. Four days. Everybody is weeping. He has never done this before. He has done many. This is he's the pinnacle of his miracles because this person has been dead for four days, has been buried, put in the tomb. So he's stinking. His body is putrefying. He has never done this before. And what does the Bible say? He's groaning. And what do you hear in Romans 8 about who groans in your spirit when you hand it over in prayer? The Holy Spirit is saying, this is what you need to do. He was the first of the new creation. He's the first one baptized in the Holy Spirit and who prays in tongues. Jesus Christ, I believe it with every fiber in my being. He's praying in his spirit and he's groaning. And the Holy Spirit says, this is what you need today. Remove the stone and call out. It will come out. That is called hearing. That is called hearing. That's what the Bible says. We ourselves do not know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit prays through us with groanings that cannot be uttered. This is a groaning in the Spirit. For He searches the will of God and prays for us according to the will of God. And we hear. We hear. We hear. We hear. That's why God says everything you need I've already given you. Already given you. John chapter 5. Verses 6 to 9. This is the man, 38, year, uh, 38 years he's been a cripple. Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me all the excuses. Jesus asked him in verse 8. Jesus said to him, rise up, take up your mat and go. You know what Jesus is saying? Will you please take responsibility for your own life? Stop blaming others. Stop blaming your circumstances. Everything you need to be successful in life is there. You hear my voice. 
you believe what I say, you obey it, you can walk again. It doesn't matter how long you've been in this condition. You can walk free. You're free. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Will you take responsibility for your life? Both for the good and the pleasing. That's why he comes and tells him later, don't sin anymore. You know why you were here? Because you did not seek the goodwill of God. You ended up this year. Now rise up. Now walk in a pleasing manner. Don't go back to that mat again. So Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. This is our problem. Of whom we have much to say, hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. I have so much to say, Gopi. So much to say. But you have become dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Meaning, you should be teaching others how to live by faith. Instead you are. You need someone to teach you once again the first principle. Every Sunday is back to LKG. And you have need milk and not solid food. For sol- everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. You haven't even reached level one good. The righteousness that comes by faith. You haven't even reached there. See, you see, not only the Lord, the apostles are also getting upset. When are you going to make use of the money in your bank? Why are you walking around in these rags and a thatched hut? There is money in the bank. Meaning, why are you living such a defeated life? Hasn't he given you everything to be successful? Didn't he die for that? To reverse the curse. Dependency can be terrible. Especially when it comes to faith. That's the final thing that divides the five wise virgins and the foolish. The five foolish were good. But they did not have hearing. So when the day the Lord came, they did not hear. So the issue is hearing. The Holy Spirit in us speaks. God has already done everything that he needs to do. The only work which he's still doing is cleaning up our mess. That's what he said in John 5, 17. My father and I are at work and still at work. Every day. Jesus answered them, my father had been working until now and I have been working. It is some of like some of the answer scripts, like when you are doing, if you are, if you are an English teacher, it's different from other subject teachers. Evaluating is very easy. Science and all just to answer. English it is grammar mistake, spelling mistake, comma, question mark. It is a headache. Some children it is very easy to go through. Okay. Some lord. Principal, sir, have you finished? No, sir, give me one more day. Because some, by the time you finish, it is an island full of red dots. Most of your work doesn't go in teaching, it goes in correcting. That's what Jesus is saying. My father and I are still at working. What are you doing? Are you helping them? No, we are correcting their mistakes. That's what they are doing. Messing. That's what God is talking about. 
That's why God get God. Let me ask you this question. In the Mark chapter 4 where we read, right? Jesus got irritated with the disciples, right? Why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Let's look at why he did. Why was he upset? On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other. After that, the entire journey should be dictated on this one sentence. If he said, I am going to the other side, no storm can stop me. Have you heard? In my father's house, there are many mansions I'm building. If I'm going to the other side, then I can walk without fear. I've heard. I've heard. Why are you worried? Why are you upset? Why are you so anxious about the storms and then shaking your pen says, Lord, don't you care? My marriage is falling apart. My children are going crazy. My officer gets mad at me every day. He says, why don't you just speak and calm the storm? Why are you waking me up every day? Why don't you speak into your situations? Don't you have the same faith? If you, if you are actually saved, then your faith that saved you is exactly my faith. Because no other faith can save you. Only the faith of God can save you. That's why the faith is also a gift. So if you have the same faith, why are you not using it? That's why he said, speak to the mount. And that's what they said in verse 38. Don't you care? I mean, in that same different context, we use the same words. Don't you care? God says, I do. You did? Yes. And why are you not doing anything? Because I gave you faith. You do it. You do it. You haven't sent me any money. Why don't you sit? Did you check your account? No. Check your account and then call me back. Hi, I'm sorry. I didn't know you sent. That's VR. Human terms, I'm giving you an example. Okay. <laughs> Daddy doesn't love me. He never cares. He never sends. Money has already been clocked in. You didn't check. Everything you need in life has already been given in Christ Jesus. Would you please use your faith and withdraw it when you need? This is what faith comes. No, we want to be babies. We like being carried. It feels so good. And then we use scripture to to sanction our laziness. The beloved of the Lord rides upon his shoulders. God says, I put you down long time ago. Walk. <laughs> Across the Red Sea, through the wilderness, I carried you. Now fight. Go take your promised land. Fight. Mark chapter, Matthew 17. We looked at it last week, right? Yeah, we don't have to go there. We don't have to go there. <clears throat> God, remember the Father? Yeah, if you want to go there, 1920, 17, 19, 20, okay? Okay? Matthew 17, yeah? The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not do, do, why could we not do that? Is there something you forgot to teach us? Remember, <laughs> whenever children don't get marks, it's always the teacher's fault, right? Out of syllabus, yes, yes, I forgot. Been long time back. Out of syllabus, 
you asked out of syllabus. In the first place we asked them, did you ever read the syllabus? <laughs> to know this is out of syllabus. That's what they are saying. Why could we notice? Is it out of syllabus? Jesus flips the coin back at them. What he says? Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Why don't things happen in our life? Because of our take personal responsibility. That's one of the first thing God wants from us. Take personal responsibility. I am responsible for my mess. I am responsible for my failures. Not you. Because everything that needs to be done is already done. Already done. Exodus 4.2. The father put, remember, father put the responsibility on them. And they are asking Jesus. Jesus put it right back on them. Here. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? No, Lord, I can't do this. this is, he says, wait a second. What is in your hand? Their heart mein kya hai? God will never ask you to do something by faith with something you don't have. He says, whatever you need to be successful in the kingdom of God, you already have. Will you please use it? First Kings 17, 12. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have any bread. Only a handful of flour in the bin and a little oil in it. It's, it's interesting how God does. This is where servants of God or any child of God has to be very careful that you walk in God's space. God told him, rise, go to Zarephath. I've already commanded a widow to take care of you. If he's late by one day, she would have finished her resources for her miracle to happen. He reaches exactly on time when she has this much flour and this much oil. That is enough if she will believe to start her miracle. That's all it that's needed. Question is, will you believe? That's all that's needed. God doesn't need a jar full. He says, that's enough. How much do you have? That's enough. Enough. That's enough. Let's start. But you have to mix it with faith. What you hear, you have to mix it with faith. Second Kings chapter 4, 1 and 2. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She said, Your maidservant has nothing. That's our first nothing. I have nothing but little atta and oil. Nothing. She also said, I have nothing but little he said, that's enough. That's enough. You'll be debt free. Your children will be your children. They won't go into bondage. You don't have to worry. What do you have? Will you just do what I tell you to do? Matthew fourteen sixteen. Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They don't have to go. Oh, send them away, send them away, send them away. He says, no, no, you give them something. But we don't have nothing. Really? And one boy has five loaves and two. He goes, that's enough. That's enough. The question is, are you willing to use it for God? You need to understand what's actually happening. God hates dependency. 
because he wants us to walk like sons and daughters, mature sons and daughters. When we are babies, we took care of our babies. But after they grew up, we didn't want them to be dependent upon. We wanted them to lead their own lives. You learn the principles, learn now to take care of yourself. That is maturity. God doesn't like dependency. While communism and socialism creates dependency and the government replaces God. And people like it. Like in US, 40%, 30% live on welfare. You need to understand politics. Why they were so scared of Trump before the pandemic was released on US? Because unemployment reached the lowest ever recorded in US history. What does it mean? People are taking care of their own lives. No more living on the government dependency. Welfare, people are going off. Food stamps, people are going off. People are all working, making their own money. If people take care of their own lives, then how do we control them? This was how the principle on which America was founded. You know what it is? Small government. Government will interfere in the lives of people only in the most important areas. Rest will leave you free to live your own lives. Prosper the land of dreams. Any man can come to America, use what you have, and if you want, you can prosper. We will create. That's why it was always called the land of dreams, because it was built on fundamental principles of faith, that faith will make you successful. Government will take care of protection, law and order, these things, every other things we will stay away from you. You prosper. And in that kind of an environment, a person actually who wants to prosper will prosper. The lazy will never prosper. And God's kingdom is like that. He says, I've given you faith, mustard seed faith, everybody, you use it, you can be the best you can be. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop you. You don't have to compete with anybody. Don't evaluate your life with anybody. I work differently. Hey, Joshua, don't look at Moses. I will not use you like I did Moses. Moses in his own way is great. You in your own way can be great. Don't compare yourself. Our problem is we don't realize in our mindset we are socialists. We like dependency. What happened? I have a headache. Will you pray for me? That is socialism. That is not faith. How long have you been the Lord? 25 years. You want me to pray for a day? If you tire with footmen, what will you do when... If you cannot rebuke a headache, what are you going to do when cancer comes? It's knocking at the door. That's what God is talking about. And people get upset when they hear these messages. It's okay. People are upset with Jesus also. That is why the first blessing Jesus pronounces from the mount in Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. He goes up, the disciples come to him. He says, blessed are the poor in the spirit. Meaning, they are absolutely, totally dependent upon God. Meaning, I know what you say is true. I believe in your word 100%. I believe. I will put my mind away, my thoughts away, my imagination away, my ideas away. I'll believe what you have said. God says, you are blessed. That's how you walked. Look at what God did with Israel when he brought them out. Exodus 14, 1 to 4. 
God spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, they turn and camp before Fi-Hiroth, between Migdol and the sea opposite Baal-Zephon, so shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land and the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. So he told Lord. Meaning it was a big setup by God. He took them round, round, round and Pharaoh was saying, he's a man. He's looking with his generals, a map of the terrain. Why are they going that way? There is no escape route there. We got them. They are stuck between the Red Sea on one side, mountains. They are trapped. They cannot escape. We got them. They are bewildered. They didn't know. Pharaoh didn't know God was setting him up. This was the biggest setup in history. And the problem is when the people saw this, they started howling, weeping, crying. Why did you bring us? There were enough graves in Egypt. You would have served them and died there. Why did you bring us here to die? The problem is discouragement is contagious. Okay, verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, by the way, why are you crying? I can understand them crying because I didn't say anything to them. I told you I am setting the Pharaoh up, right? What are you crying for? Sometimes we sometimes our tears are all crocodile tears. Because we have to sympathize with them, no? I lost my baby. Inside we are not crying, but the baby is in a better place. But we have to cry. I feel sorry for you. I don't feel sorry for the baby. <laughs> I feel sorry for you. But I'm not sorry for the baby. That's how David got up. I'm not sorry for the baby. He will not come back to me, but I will go to him. The fellow pastor didn't sympathize enough. What if you came to me and told, uh, the doctor said, stage four, no chance. What if I said, good. No, you can pray. You wasted all your money, right? Now you have no option. God should have been your first resort, at least no last resort. You have nowhere to turn, right? That's what happened. He's saying, what? What are you crying for? What are you howling for? No, no, what do I do? What did I send you with? First time I asked you, what is in your hand? Is that rod still there? Is still anointed? Use that rod. Small situation or the biggest situation you use, the same faith is enough. That's what God is trying to tell him. When you go, when you start, rod, water becomes blood. And okay, now you're facing the biggest challenge of your life. You don't need a bigger rod. You just need the same rod. Lord, I need increase my faith. Jesus said, Ayo, Baba, that mustard seed is enough. The power is not in the size of the faith. The power is that you actually trust this big God. Do you believe? Why are you crying? 
Now use what I gave you. And we don't use what God has given us. Joshua chapter 7, 7 to 9. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought these people over Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us. Oh, that we had been content, dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns it back before its enemy? That's how we also pray. Lord, why did you bring me to I told you that I don't want to get married. Why did you give me this woman, Lord? Why did you give me? God said, I got you married to be miserable. I ordered marriage, right? Didn't I bless you? First thing I did after creation, Adam and Eve, is I blessed you. Right? And now you are weeping. This is how we respond. For the Canaanites, the inhabitants, yeah, now he's adding to the list, Amorites, Canaanites, Parasites, unseen enemies are also being included in the list. Listen to God's response. God, in other words, shut up and get up. Enough of your drama. He is drama king. Shut up. Get up from there. Get up from there. Get up from there. In other words, God would have said, nonsense, what are you doing over there? Go back to chapter 1 and verse 3. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Do you remember what I told you? Do you remember what I told you? Every place, the sole of your friend, of your new covenant, this is translated into, you shall tread upon snakes and scorpions, and they shall by no means harm you. Every place. Every place. This is not walking. This is treading. This word, darak, in Hebrew is a military term. Till today, the Israeli commander when his battalion marches uses the same word, Darak, to move. God is the captain of hosts, is telling Joshua, every place you march, you fight, you will conquer. I'm guaranteeing you victory. On one condition. Condition is in the verse 7. The words which I gave you. What is that? Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Don't turn to the left or to the so if you lost a battle, check who turned to the left or to the right. Check. Stop. Get up from there. Check the camp. Somebody turned from my law to the left or the right. Why do you def- get defeated by the enemy? Because you went away from my word. You turned to the left or to the right. You either became a right wing nut or a left wing nut. You didn't stay in the middle. That's why you are defeated before the powers of darkness. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Stay in my word, I told you. That's how we have to look at life. Am I defeated? I take responsibility. Lord, show me. Where did I go wrong? Show me. Where did I go wrong? No. Yours is guarantee. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You take us in triumph every day in Christ Jesus. The enemy has been emptied. He's made a public spectacle. Anyone who's born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory by faith. It's all there, guaranteed, absolutely, 100, sealed with the blood of Jesus. So if I have failed, Lord, show me. Where did I go wrong? 
not where did you go wrong, where did I grow. That is personal responsibility. Where did I go wrong? I'll make corrections. And that's what 7-11 says. He said, Israel has sinned. Why were you defeated? Israel has sinned. That's all. Put right. Get rid of that sin. Root that sin out of your life. You'll be victorious again. The whole, the what you call the whole destruction of Akan's family for us in the new covenant is root that sin out of your life. Throw it. You can walk free again. You cannot be defeated if you are in Christ. You cannot be defeated. I'm not saying people will not harm you. I'm talking about powers of darkness. What you face is the persecution because of righteousness sake. God says rejoice and be excited. Don't fight them. You don't fight flesh and blood. You fight powers of darkness. Exodus 15.24 The people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Verse 25 So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. What I am showing you is that every time Israel had a problem, Moses had a solution because he heard. Every time you have a problem in your life, God has a solution for you. If you hear. If you hear. That's a solution. You man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. Exodus 16, 2 to 4. The whole congregation of Israel, the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land. Okay, all that hangama they say. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to why is he saying to Moses and not to the children? Because they have never learned to hear. Personal. So, God has to always speak through the pastor. But says, no, I don't want to do that. I want to speak to everyone personally. So that all of you can be teachers. And the next set of babies can come in. That's why when they refused to leave Jerusalem, because now they enjoyed the fellowship, God brought a persecution and scattered them all. And suddenly, everybody in the church of Jerusalem scripture says became teachers. They had learned very well. They know how to operate by faith, but they won't leave because company. Fellowship. Oh, lovely fellowship. God says, I also agree. I also enjoy your fellowship. Now get up and go. Do some work. The gospel has to go to the ends of the earth. So, Acts 8.1 says, Great persecution arose, and all the believers are scattered, but the apostles, why? To teach the next generation. That's why they, otherwise they go, should go after the apostles first, right? No, this was God's plan. Let them all go teach and you teach the next lot. So be very careful if persecution rises in your life. <laughs> God will move you out. Already people face is falling. We don't want to leave. Okay. 17, 1 and 2 we read. Exodus. All the congregation. Of the children of Israel set out on their journey, okay, and therefore the people contend, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And verse, yeah, three, four. Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, go before the ta- people, take the rod. See, every time he hears a solution. What is, why is all this variety put over there? God is saying, you will never face any situation in life for which I don't have a solution. Just learn to hear. Learn to hear. Learn to hear. Joshua 6, 1 and 2. 
Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. Did he hear? See, I have given it to you. He heard. Therefore, they could go. And he also told him exactly what to do, how the city will be taken. You have a stronghold in your life. And God says, just listen to me. I know when it started, how long it's been there, how big the walls are, how thick the I know it all. I will tell you how to bring it down. Will you hear my voice? Because pastors, I, like, like I said yesterday, I am uh, uh, MD, general medicine, not specialist. You come to me, I will only give you broad spectrum antibiotic. Because I don't know what your problem actually is. God knows. I don't know where it started, when it started, how it started, how long it's been there. You know, sometimes Jesus says, how long has it been like this? Meaning, has it got into his deep inside bones, maybe how a sickness? It was only in the flesh. Now it entered into his mind also. That's why he asked. God will tell you the solution. 8.1 The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you. Arise, go to I. See, I have given into your hand the king of I, his people, his city, his land. Absolutely clear when you hear. There's no confusion. Our problem is we don't spend time to Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask the counsel of the Lord. They did not. What happened? Trap for life. You cannot touch the Gibeonites now because you did not ask, you did not hear, you did not seek the counsel of God. You made a covenant with them. Now it stands because you made it in the name of the Lord who never breaks his covenant. If only they had said, I make the covenant in the name of Joshua, God will say, okay, Joshua, anyway, keeps breaking his word, you can break it. But they said, in the name of God, God is not a man that he should lie. This is why we have to be careful. Chapter 10. Joshua is growing stronger and stronger and stronger in faith. Now where he began, Darbuk, now where is he reaching? Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up Amorites before the children of Israel and he said in the sight of the Lord, sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon and the sun stood still. Now read carefully. Joshua, read the first line. Joshua, now it's not the Lord speaking to Joshua. It's not the Lord speaking to Joshua. It's Joshua speaking to the Lord. Man of faith and God has become one where he is telling God, do this. And God says, I will do it. Your plan and my plan are the same. It's different now. It's not the Lord told Joshua. Joshua told the Lord. Read the whole narrative. And the moon in the valley of Ajalon and then? And the sun stood still. The moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down about a whole day. And there has not, has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. Every other narrative is man heeding the voice of God. Joshua has reached to this point because Joshua is a type of Jesus. To a point where God listens to him. God listens to him. Right? Let's have Isaiah 45.11. You know what God says? When your faith rises. 45.11. The very powerful scripture. Mark it in your Bible. 
God says you have to grow, grow, grow stronger and stronger. The knowledge of God, knowledge of God, where you are knowledge of God and you have become one. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands. You command me. Not that I will command you. You command me. Once you have known my will, you have understand my will, my purpose, my attitude, my timing. You can speak to me, I will do it. That's why scripture says, he told them, you feed them. Scripture says, Jesus was testing them because he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew what he was going to do. So he just said, thank you dad. Now multiply it dad. Multiply it. This is how you grow in faith. That's what the Bible is talking about. Verse 22 to 25. Joshua said, open the mouth of the caves, bring out those five kings to me from the cave. They did so, brought out those five kings to him from the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua, Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, come near, all of you come here. Put your feet on the necks of these kings that they drew near and put their feet on their necks. He says, you know what? I want you to feel what victory feels like. Experience it. You know what I'm feeling inside? Adrenaline pumping inside because we have defeated these kings. I want you to have the same feeling. Put your feet on the neck of your enemies. God says, you try it. You don't have to call me. Try it. Cast out demons yourself and you will see. That's why they came excited. Says, Lord, demons are going at our this thing. So don't get too excited. Your names are written over there. That's more interesting. You try it. Try it. Pray for people. Cast out demons. You will feel, oh, I thought only pastor could. No, anybody can do that. Jesus said these signs will follow anybody who believes. It will follow you. Anybody. That's what he's saying. This is not, not that Joshua, anybody special. He says, you just feel it. Anybody can do it. That is his disciple. We want followers. God didn't make no followers. He said, go make disciples. What do disciples do? Disciples do that's what the guru does. And that's what God is saying. Focus on the word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in through you and you will suddenly realize, hey, life is not so difficult. I made it difficult. It actually was easy. Second Kings chapter 1, of chapter 4, 1 to 4. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead. You know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be slaves. What shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. He said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather a few. When you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons pour it into all those vessels, set aside the full ones. You know what? You have to read scripture to understand fundamental principle. You know, Lord, of people in the kingdom of God sit there. Lord, I don't know what to do. God says, what do you have? I have this. I have this little talent. He says, why don't you take a loan and start a business? Have you ever asked God? Have you ever heard from God? That's what she's hearing. Take a loan and start your business with what you have. Borrow. Don't buy. Take a loan. You know how many people have incredibly successful become in business because they heard God says, take a loan, start this business. And then don't just live a existing life. Put it back in the kingdom. It always will flow. This is how you hear. Because if, you know what? The people in the world are succeeding. While in the old days, it was the people of God who succeeded because they heard. 
they heard. That's what God is talking about. Only thing is that when you hear, he says, what you need to do is shut the door behind you. Don't go t- telling people what God told you. Because immediately they will put cold water over you and say, oh, Paul, never try it. I tried it. I, my business failed. And I had to take another loan to pay. Don't you go talk to all these people like Joseph did. Oh, did you know I had a dream after that? Wait, a dream or a dream? I will show you your t- Go, go talk to the wrong people. Talk to people about your, what you heard from the Lord only to people who have an experience of hearing from the Lord. Don't go around immediately to the office. Do you know? Ah, Sindhu. Sindhu is Hindu. Kya ho ra bete? Ne, kal me prathana kar ra tha Prabhu bol. Haa? Prabhu bola? Vaisse bhi hota? Finish. Gone. This is what people do. Like Hesakia. Right? Open the Babylon envoy has Oh, bring him, bring him, bring him. Take him to the Lord's treasury. Show him all the treasures of the Lord. The Lord said, why did you let the idiots go inside my treasury? Because you showed them, they will come and take it all one day. And that's what has happened. All the world, they are prospering. You look at the first 50 of Fortune 500. You Do you find one believer there? No. But look back in the centuries back, everyone was a believer because they prayed, they heard, they started businesses. Today, they hear from the other side and starting businesses. Because God's people have stopped hearing. The devil is a thief. He has never invented one thing. He only takes what is from God and gives to the fellow who pays him. He's the actual middleman. But he doesn't even give God the credit he steals. That's why the churches are empty and lodges are full. Everything you need, you have here and here. The Spirit of God, the Word and the power. 8 to 16. Now it happened one day, Elisha went to name, where there was an audible woman. She persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. She said to her husband, look now, I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let us put a bed for him, a table, a chair, and a lampstand. This, this chapter 10, verse 10 itself is a message in itself. What do you need to prepare for God to delve in your house? Okay, If you make a space in your house, this is what you keep for God, the man of God to dwell with you, the presence of God to dwell with you. That's another message. It happened one day that he came there, he turned into the upper room and he lay down there. Then he called Gehazi, his servant, called the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. He said, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She said, I dwell among my own people. She said, I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm good. So he said, what is then to be done for her? Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said to her, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. So he said, about this time, next year you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maid servant. Look at this woman. She's got the most anointed man living on earth, living in a room upstairs. And he's saying, I can do this for you. And she says, please, 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 please. Putting limits on God. Please, 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 please. Please don't do that. Don't give me any of this hope. My husband is old and he's been married for so long. Please, 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 please. This is what happens. 
she immediately put a limit on it. But thank God she breaks that and goes further and she really goes up in faith that when the child dies, she goes after him and I told you I don't want a child. You gave, gave me a child. Now you better bring him back to life. And he gets it back. You have to read these stories. The entire stories in the Bible are stories of faith. How ordinary people took God at his word. And it didn't matter. Maybe a man just standing in the office God has given him. He's blind. He's fat. He has no discernment at all. He says, you are drunk. No, Lord, I am not drunk. After the sorrow of my soul, the bitterness of my soul, he says, whatever you ask, let the Lord answer. You take that word and you run away and before you know you have a Samuel. Because you didn't even look at the man. You looked at the office. If the high priest is speaking, I will take his word as the word of God and it shall come to pass in my life. And God said, answer Hannah. It was not he who was speaking. I was speaking through him. I can speak through blind priests and dumb donkeys too. You believe me, it will come to pass. And instead, like I said, we are wasting our effort and energy in the wrong things. Well, we should be spending our time, energy, in hearing from God, walking with God. And you will see things start falling into place. You have rest. You have rest. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is who gives you. He doesn't give you wealth. That would be, that would be, a delinquent father. I thank my father. He never left any of his five children wealth. Instead, he gave us education. Excellent education. And said, now I give you power to make your own money. Now what you do with it is your problem. I have done what I have to do. I have given you a tool in your hand. How you use it is your problem. Oh God, I'll give you the power to make wealth. I give you the power to be successful. I give you the power to be an overcomer. And what is that power? It is faith and it is the Holy Spirit. What we call grace. As the raw power of the Holy Spirit is what I call grace. And God looks at all of them and he's getting irritated. You are the people of the covenant. Sickness, oppression, demonic oppression, lack. What is happening here? What is happening? What are you doing with your every day you are in the synagogue and murmuring, muttering, murmuring every message. But what are you doing with what you hear? And there is a woman sitting 18 years sitting in the synagogue. He says, just woman you are loose. Just stand. You've been sitting in the synagogue and hearing like this for 18 years. Now sit up straight and eat here. What are you guys doing over here? And why don't you believe? That's why the Bible says the power of the Lord was there to heal. It's always there to heal. Romans 12. 1 and 2 we heard. Let's go. 1 and 2. The good, acceptable, pleasing will of God. And verse 3. You follow 1 and 2 verse 3. I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. He says be sober. Meaning do a good evaluation. In English, uh, in my uh, 
college room when I was doing my undergraduation. I had a poster. I still remember what was written in the poster with a puppy biting a huge chunk of meat saying, don't bite more than you can chew. Okay? When you hear all these messages, have a very sober estimate of your own faith. Oh, I heard pastor doing, today I'm going to go to my next door neighbor. Oh, no, 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 this is unbeliever. She definitely has demons. In the name of the devil, we will come back. Have a very sober estimation of yourself. That's what the Bible says. Okay? Think soberly. You know where you are. Keep growing. Don't chew more than you can bite. For as many have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So you need to know what your function is. We are all members of the same body. Function is different. We are all one, but different. We are all different, but one. Then, verse 5. For being many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Having then gifts Differing according to the grace that is given. Everybody is given the same grace, but the gifts are different. Grace is same. It's just like that. Electricity is the same, but one is a fan, the other is a light, the other is a different kind of a light. You see, the power that is powering it is the same. Each one of us could be doing different things which God has called to us, but the power that flows through us, through the same faith, and the same power, different functions. So the Bible is saying, be very wise. Don't jump the gun. Having then gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. What does the Bible say? Discover your gift and use it. Remember the parable of the fellow who hid his talent? Say, so discover it and use it. Whatever your gift is, use it. Let us use them. You prophesy. Prophecy. Ministry. Minister. Teaching. Teach. Exhorts. Exhortation. One who gives with liberality. And people don't realize this. How can I give with liberality? Because God has given you the power to make wealth. That is a gift in the body. Everybody doesn't have to be wealthy. Because everybody only needs... I mean, have you ever seen anybody wearing two coats? Rich man wears three coats? No. Rich man have three cards, but he can only go in one at a time. I've never seen a rich man sitting, have two cards, one Mercedes and one Audi, and I'm going to go like, everybody has to know, I will fall in between. Right? Doesn't matter who you are, there is a capacity which you can handle. So what is the purpose of wealth in the new covenant, unlike the old covenant? It is to invest back in the kingdom. Some people have been given that gift. And if that is your gift, ask Lord, Lord, give me ideas. Give me ideas, Lord, to generate. Give me ideas, Lord. I want to. Because whatever it is, Lord, I don't want to hide it because that day you will call me a wicked servant and throw me into outer darkness. I want to use the gift, the faith, and the grace that you have given me. I want to use it. Use it, the Bible says. He who shows mercy, show mercy. So these are all they discover. That is Luke 19, 12 and 30. Do you know your minor? A certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom to return. 
So he called ten of his servants, delivered them ten minas and said, do business. That's how we started. Occupy till I. Everybody was given the same amount of faith. He says, occupy till I come. When he comes back, he will say, what did you do with my faith? What did you do with my Holy Spirit? What did you do with my gift? What did you do with my grace? Show accounts. And what happens? Next verse. I gave you another verse, right? 14. But his citizens hated him. Let me ask you this question. Why do citizens hate him? Because they like dependency. They don't want to earn their own living. They don't want to take responsibility for their own lives. That's why they hate him. That's why they hate Christ. The actual gospel of the kingdom makes you free, but also makes you responsible for your own lives. And they don't want government should give me Medicare and health care and welfare checks and all these. They don't want that. So they hate this king who makes you responsible for your own life. Everything you need, I give you. I give you my son. You are getting a brand new start. Anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. All things, every record against your name is cancelled out. You are getting a presidential pardon or a king's pardon. You are set free with a measure of faith and my Holy Spirit run and be successful. No. I want welfare. That's why they hate him. You should sing a new song. That's why they hate him. Because we don't want to be... That's why God asked him to go, Do you want to be whole? Lord, pick up your mat. That's your welfare check. Pick up your mat and walk. On the way, tear it and throw it. Take responsibility for your own life. Second Kings 4.2. Remember? What do you have? Alicia asked. What did she say? Nothing. Let me ask you the trick now. All those who were in the pastor's conference, zip your lips. Let me ask the others who were in there. What do you have? What do you have that you can use for God? I'm asking the children who don't have jobs. What do you have? What do you think you have that you can use for God? Are you alive? Yes? Are you alive? All those who are not alive, show your hands. <laughs> so everybody is alive. Are you breathing? What does the Bible say? Let everything that has breath. Let everything that has breath. Psalm 22 verse 3. If you would just use your breath, as the word of God says, if you just use your breath, you are holy enthroned in the praises of your people. If you consistently learn to use your breath to praise God, suddenly you will realize the very presence of God comes into where you are. He enthrones himself in the praises of you. God says, do you know the amount of breath you have wasted talking junk? If you had used it to praise me, I would have come. Second Chronicles 20, 22. And what does God do? When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against Jehoshaphat's enemies. How many enemies are you facing? Spiritual. Every block here, here block, there block. Did you use the resource God gave you, the simple common resource called breath? If you had consistently praised me for all through it all, I would have finished your enemies off. But because you didn't use what I gave you, I couldn't do it. Because you didn't believe. You didn't believe me. You didn't believe me. 
So nobody has excuse. If you have anybody has an excuse, that person doesn't have an excuse because that person is dead. But if you're alive, you have breath. This is not old covenant. It's old covenant and new covenant. Look at Acts chapter 16, 25, 26. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What are they using their breath for? Feet are in stocks. Hands are in chained up. Back is broken. Beaten left, right and centered. Stripped and thrown into the prison at midnight hour. They can't do anything, but they have breath. And everything that has breath, what does the Bible say? Suddenly there was, and the prisoners were listening to them, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Do you use your breath? I know, for real, I know I met that sister also. There was this sister whose husband was alcoholic. And she was a believer, Pentecostal believer. And every day he comes, goes out evening in his white dhoti and everything in two legs, comes back on four legs and beats her up. Alcoholic. And she was in real, real trouble. So she went and asked her pastor, what do I do? He said, praise the Lord. Instead of crying and howling and mourning, have you tried praising God? She said, never. He said, try it. After that, every time he came and hit her, she praised the Lord. Two weeks later, he came to church and got saved. Because he had never had seen a response like that. Every time he's hitting her, she's crying, mourning, shouting, screaming. Now she's saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So what happened to her? I need to go to a church to see what is this thing. He sat there, the Lord of God, he finished his alcoholic, and now he's working. Her children are settled. They are, one son is in the Gulf or something, Middle East or something. All why you knew? Because he used your breath to praise the Lord instead of mourning. So it still happens. God has never changed. Poor me, move on to me, no. That's what God said. They were praying and they were praising. And I'm telling you, if I get Paul right, he was not praying for release. He was praying for the other prisoners. That's why their chains came off. Let me tell you, this is my interpretation of the incident. When they praised, their chains came off. Because they prayed, the other's chains came off. So they had a ministry going on in the spirit. They're praying for others and praising God for their situation. This is scripture. So please understand the pictures in the Bible. This is my God, your God, our God. As I come to the end, Numbers eleven twenty nine. Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit upon them. He says, hey, Moses had not one jealous bone. He says, I wish all of them had the same spirit like me and victorious like me, heard from God and were all prophets. Why are you stopping them? That is Moses. And look at Jesus. One step higher. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than this, he will do because I go to my father. He says, you want me one? I want to do even greater work than I do. Which is true. I have done more than him. I have traveled more than Jesus ever did on earth. He only walked around 20, 30 square kilometers. I have gone to nations and preached. He preached only in one language. I preached in four. So he has, why am I able to do that? Because Jesus is not jealous. He's not jealous at all. 
He says, I want everybody, the same faith, the same father, the same spirit. Because I go to my father. And Paul, another man in the new covenant, not a single jealous bone in him. What does he say? I wish you all spoke with tongues. I know so many people are waiting, so many people don't believe, but I wish all of you spoke in tongues. So that it will be strength within you. Not only that, I wish even more that you all prophesied. The problem is if everybody prophesies, who will you prophesy to? It is good if you prophesy to each other. I heard about you. This is what the Lord says. Oh, I also heard about you. This is what the Lord says. Kya baat hai? I wish all prophesied. You see, there is nothing. No jealousy there. Absolutely. God has no issues. Absolutely. That's what the Bible is all about. So you focus on good. That is Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. Hear my laws, obey my voice, keep my commandment, grow in the good. And after that, verse 3, blessed you shall be in the city and blessed you shall be in the country. Your location does not matter. Wherever you are, God can bless you. And the next one. Blessed you when you come in. Blessed. You were blessed if you believed while coming to church. And while you're going also, you will be blessed. And you will be blessed when you're sitting. That's our God. Our God is a God who likes blessing. But you have to believe. Because it comes through faith. And then, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, flee before you in seven ways. You have to believe these promises. We are not talking of flesh and blood here, okay? New covenant. Verse 9. The Lord will, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as you sworn to you, if you keep the command. This is where the good part, the righteousness part comes. Be very careful. Lord, I want to be blessed and do my own things. God says, no. You will go down in such a way to extricate you. I will need an excavator. Don't do that. Because there is another fellow also who can give you blessings without righteousness. Please remember, blessing is not something which God alone gives. The devil can make you prosper easily. But as long as you choose to be unrighteous. If you choose to be righteous, he won't bless you. He won't bless you. But then he has got nothing out of it. He's blessing you out of spite. God is blessing you out of love. So he will protect you. So keep that in mind. Verse 13. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. That is what it actually means. Not that you become the CEO of your company. That's not what it meant. He says you always will be the head. You'll always. You can be a leader in whatever you are doing. Even if you're not the team leader. Because you have access to something they don't have. That's what Joseph had. Joseph had access to which nobody had. But our problem, Psalm 78, 41. What is that we do? We limit the Holy One of Israel. So simple story, summing up, everything you need in life, you and I need in life, we have already been given. God has not changed. Only difference, in the old covenant, it was connected with this life. 
the new covenant, it is connected with that life. So we are not so much worried about material possessions. We want to be successful and all the stuff you need for life now, he will give it to you. It's done in Christ. It's already been done. Elijah just has to hear and obey. The ravens have already been commanded. Even when he is standing before Ahab, the Elijahs, the ravens have been commanded to feed him. Your position is to believe me, obey me, and found in the place where the ravens. The ravens won't disobey God. They will only go to Kerith. You can wait anywhere else, they won't come. So you better hear and be in the place where God commanded you and do what he told you. The widow has already been commanded. Mount Carmel, the victory already has been assured. You just have to go there. The rain already has been promised. You just have to pray. You're not praying, Lord, will he or will it not? No, just pray, it will come. That's why he doesn't raise his head and look. He says, just go and tell me when it starts falling. I've heard the sound of rain. So stop making excuses. That's the moral of the story. And stop outsourcing your problems unless you are a baby. Young believer in the Christ. Take responsibility for your life and fight your battles. Pick up your mat. Stop dependency. Everything God has to do is done. Shall I give you four verses? Do you need blessings? Ephesians 1, 3. What does it say? Oh, sorry, Dr. Richard. You have been blessed with every blessing. It's already done. You just have to find it. Do you need healing? First Peter 2, 24. First Peter 2, 24. And then Luke 10, 19. By whose stripes you, read it carefully, you were healed. Not you will be healed. You were healed. Everything God has, it's in the past tense. It's already done. Luke 10, 19. You want victory over powers of darkness? Behold, I give you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions. It's already given. Exercise it. And Deuteronomy 8.18 we saw. Do you want to have money? I've given you the power to make wealth. It's done. Our issue is we are socialists. Jai Marx. Lal Salam. As I close, let me ask you this question. Are you somebody who likes extra work? I'm not saying extra work where you are paid. That everybody likes. Overtime. Everybody wants to do overtime. Joseph became prince of Egypt because he worked 13 years without a salary. But he learned how to work. He learned how to work. There are principles behind all of this. Okay. Do you like calm or are you calm chore? 
honestly, you need to realize. Okay, I'll tell you a simple. I mean, I mean, I'm just not picking on it because today, anyway, the road is open. Scripture says God's eyes are always upon somebody who's stayed on you. Know? Every day, because for the past so many days, the road was blocked, so I used to park my scooter there. So in the night, I go to see, pick my scooter. And every day I see on that nice, shiny black car, handprints on this thing. Nobody takes a rag and wipes it. And I always wonder, why don't they just, hey, it's Papu's car, it's Ma's car. They have given their lives for us. Let me do something. People simply won't do when it's right staring in front of you. Or there is a home upstairs with handicapped children over there. Nobody will go and say, Akka, why don't you go out? I will take care of these children today. Nobody does. And they're still expecting to prosper. Working, working, homework, tuition. It would have just come just like you for if you were like smart like Daniel. God gave him ten times smarter than all the other academicians in the King's Academy because he put God first. Right under your nose are a hundred opportunities to serve God. People simply won't do. And then expects, Lord, bless me. That's our problem. We are socialists in mind. And believers in our words. Do you understand why people don't prosper? Prosper. That's the truth. You don't have to look around. It's right before your eyes. That's what Elisha is saying. What do you have? Nothing. It's right there in your house. Absolutely right there in your house. If you use it, you are free. But you want to use it. Right there all around you without realizing God is watching. I told this old story about a lady who was interviewing a set of maids for a house. Big house. So everybody came. Big house, palatial house, like big walkway, all like that. But this lady is very smart. Somewhere near the entrance of it, she left a broom. One after one after all, the maids with resumes are all coming. And she says, okay, okay, no, no, no. And one of the maids, when she who applied was coming, she saw the broom. She took the broom and put it in the way you keep it. And she came. She said, you're hired. I just kept it to see to really you have the attitude to work or not first. You're hired. People don't even realize when I come in there, something is there. One chocolate paper a child has put. You pick it up because this is my father's house. This is my father's house. That's what they said downstairs. Oh, why did you do all this? Because as long as we use this hall, this is our father's house. And we go. Oh, but as long as we are here, we'll take care of it as if it belongs to us. We need to realize there are principles behind this. That is stewardship. And the church is supposed to be the city on the hill. Let your light shine. Let them know you through your works. Nobody has to tell you. You just do it yourself. If your eyes are open, you'll always see. There is always something to be done. Always something to be done. Always something to be done. And you, before you realize, you realize, you know what? You have Heaven's work culture. My father and I are at work. What are the work doing? Cleaning up the mess created by others. That's what you are doing. Haven't you finished? Yes. Have you rested from creation? Yes. Are you still working? Yes. What? People just leave a mess behind. We go cleaning up. Dad 
Son and the Holy Spirit cleaning up our mess. And you say, Lord, I want to work with you. I will clean up others' mess too. And I don't want payment for it. Simply the joy I'm working with you is enough. That's life. That's life. That's Joseph. Your brothers are as she came. Will you go? Here I am. God said, my eye is on you, son. You are ready. My eye is on. Amen? Shall we stand? Shall we use that measure of faith which the Father lavishly bestowed on us with his big ladle into everybody's life and the Holy Spirit he freely gives? Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, this morning. We just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're a God who wants to bless. You're a God. The first statement you made after creating Adam and Eve, male and female, you blessed them. It was a five-fold blessing. When Noah came out of the ark and offered a sacrifice, the first words you pronounced, you blessed him and his sons. When Abraham was ready to move into the promised land, you gave him such a great blessing. You're a God who blesses. You're a God who doesn't curse. You've got a God who blesses his people. We invite curses upon ourselves by going out of your way. You have already given us everything we need in life to be the most successful set of people ever on earth than all the ones who have gone before us. Because there is so much more knowledge of God available today than in any, any time before us, Lord. That's why Joseph Jacob had to say that the blessing of your father has gone ahead of the blessings of your forefathers. Jacob could go far ahead of Isaac and Abraham because of the knowledge of God he received. And we have so much knowledge of God available today, Lord. And you are saying, grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. That if you do these things, you will never be unfruitful in the kingdom of God. And on that day, you will receive such a rich welcome into the kingdom of God. Because you used your faith and you used your grace to the uttermost to serve your father who gave his only son to redeem you. This was our thanksgiving to you, Lord. Everything we want to do is our thanksgiving, our offering back to you because we can never do what you did for us. It is impossible for man. But we want to give something back to you, Lord. Therefore, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, our minds framed by faith, and we want to give our lives over to you to serve you now and for all of eternity in that new body. We will never tire again. All of eternity, all we want to do is, Lord, to say how much we love you and to serve you because we love you, Lord. Father, I know that is salvation. That is salvation. The joy of walking with you and serving you. And I pray, Father, everyone standing here, young and old, will have that joy. And they will begin in their homes, wherever God has placed them. They will begin that and say, Lord, I want to serve you. I see a need and I want to serve you. I have faith. I believe I have faith. And I believe I have power, your Holy Spirit. And I will start using it, Lord, to serve you. Oh, Father, we just thank you. Because we know, Lord, for those who are willing to serve you, even sky is not the limit. In the world, sky is the limit. But even sky is not the limit for you, your people. For we will serve you forever and ever and ever.
For your word says in Revelation 22, your servants will have your name on their foreheads and they will see your face and serve you. Even sky cannot limit what you can do through us, O Lord. Oh, Father, I pray that desire is birthed in people's hearts everywhere, Lord. I just want to thank you, praise you, worship you, glorify you, Lord. Be exalted, be magnified in the praises of your people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, and amen.